Welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Woodland, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We're so glad you could join us, and we pray that this message you're listening to today is a blessing to your day, and I want to invite you also to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service and upcoming events, and uh, we hope that we can connect with you and see you soon. God. Amen. Verse number two, speaking to the children of Israel and take of you, uh, take of every one of them a rod according to the house of their fathers, of all their princes according to the house of their fathers, 12 rods. Write, write thou every man's name upon his rod. Thou shalt write Aaron's name upon the rod of Levi, Levi for one rod shall be for the head of the house of their fathers. Thou shalt lay them up in the tabernacle of the congregation before the testimony where I will meet with you. And it shall come to pass that the man's rod whom I shall choose shall blossom and I will make to cease from me the murmurings of the children of Israel whereby they murmur against you. Amen. Verse number eight. And it came to pass that on the morrow Moses went into the tabernacle of witness and behold the rod of Aaron for the house of Levi was budded and brought forth buds and bloomed blossoms and yielded almonds. Look at somebody and say, that was pretty cool. Amen. And uh, we want to tonight continue on. And as the Lord leads into the second part of our series, uh, branches connected to the vine. I want to be connected to the vine, don't you? Amen. Let's pray together right now. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for your presence that we feel. Lord, for the liberty that we have in you. Lord Jesus, I pray you would anoint our minds, our hearts. Oh, God, I pray you would anoint us to unify together in this house, in your word. Lord, let us receive your engrafted word tonight. Lord, I pray that it would change us and, and mold us into the image which you have desire for us to be. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everyone said amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Amen. The tabernacle of, wild, of the wilderness is also called the oracle. Everybody say the oracle. Amen. The tabernacle of the wilderness is also called the oracle. Now, you've noticed a little, uh, uh, or, or hopefully you've noticed more than a little in this series. Uh, we've not just been, been just... Um, in the shallow end of the pool, we've been, we've been kind of getting out there a little deeper. And uh, tonight, you need to strap your fins on. We're going we're gonna to even kick out a little bit more. And if you are taking notes, uh, you're going to want to jot down some scriptures that are going to, uh, you can take home and study them. First Kings chapter 6 and verse number 20, amen, this is, is going to reveal to us that the tabernacle of, of the wilderness is also called the oracle. It says in 1 Kings chapter 6 and verse number 20, and the oracle in the forepart was 20 cubits in length and 20 cubits in breadth and 20 cubits in the height thereof, and he overlaid it with purple and gold, uh, with, excuse me, with pure gold, and so covered the altar which was of cedar so it was a cubed shape room everybody say a cubed shape room now th this is important this isn't just God 
uh, just throwing stuff out there. We, we need to, you got to understand that these are continuous uh, flows and ideas that God is setting forth. The word of God is so strategically uh, and divinely revealed to mankind. There's no other book ever like this in the history of mankind. All of these different author, uh, different writers, there's, there's different author uh, writers, but there's only one author. They began to write over the process of thousands of years. And these things are never lost, that God that God is a God of exacting, amen. And, and the things that we can find of the Old Testament are revealed to us as believers in the New Testament. We talked a lot about that in the first few weeks of this series when we talked about uh, uh, God calling us out to be a holy people, amen. And so we find out that the tabernacle of wilderness, which is called the oracle, amen, was, was 20 cubits in length. It was 20 cubits in, in, in width and it was 20 cubits in height. It was a cubed shaped room. Revelations chapter 21 and verse number 16. God continuing on with this understanding that he's given us and the city lieth four square. Everybody say four square. And the length is as large as the breadth and he measured the city with the reed 12,000 furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. So what we see is the city is a huge, most holy place. Just as the oracle or the tabernacle of, the, of witness was in the Old Testament, it was cubed. So is the city of New Jerusalem itself built to the exacting measures a man 1,500 miles square, a man 1,500 miles high. It is, it is a cubed-shaped city. Amen. Now, from that throne came a river of life. Amen. Came a river of life. The trees were watered, or should I say are watered by the river of life. Just like resurrecting life came from the Ark of the Covenant and resurrected the rod of Aaron. Just as there was one dead rod that came to life from a power coming from the Ark of the Covenant, there are many trees alive by the river of life that flows from the throne of God. Amen. There is a river that flows from the throne of God. Upon its banks began to blossom and bring forth the fruit, amen, by the river of life. The picture in Revelation 22 is a perfect picture of what we read in Acts chapter 2 and verses 32 and 33. This Jesus hath God raised up whereof we all are witnesses. Everybody say witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this which ye now see and hear. Shed forth is water language. It's just not old, old in King's English. It is water language. He said, you have the Son of God raised to the right hand of God, which let's not confuse that. That literally means the throne of God or the place of power in God. There are not three persons in the Godhead. 
I just want to reemphasize that. We don't believe in three co-equal, co-eternal, co-existence God, who is God of very God, light of very light, which is of the Trinitarian doctrine. Amen. We don't believe that. We believe there is one God. And by him were all things made, and there is nothing that was made, amen, that he did not make. It all comes from God. So when the Bible says that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, it is saying he is set upon the throne of God because the right hand denotes power, amen. It, it was a place of power. So Jesus said, after resurrecting, all power is given unto me, where? Both in heaven and in earth amen and so now because he has resurrected amen i, I i'm trying i need to back down calm down a little bit because i get to i get to feeling the holy ghost right here and i want to preach and because he's resurrected because he is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world amen because he humbled himself and came in the form of a servant that is mankind and he lived 33 and a half years, a perfect sinless man, a perfect spotless lamb. He did not, he did, he was not murdered. He did not get killed. He gave up his own life willingly like a lamb led to the slaughter. And as a sheep is dumb before his shears, did he not open his mouth and he laid his life down on Calvary's cross and therefore fulfilled the promise that God would provide provide himself amen hallelujah God would provide himself a sacrifice and so he lays down for three days the manifestation amen of that eternal sacrifice that is God made manifest in the flesh and then through the power of God raised up that dead body amen and somewhere between he told his mother not to touch him and he told Thomas to touch him he had taken a trip and ascended that mortal body into the heavenlies and it had became now a divine body because when we see Jesus now he's walking through walls amen he's not inhibited by the things and the limitations of the physical realm amen that's the kind of body we're going to have in New Jerusalem in glory Amen. We're going to have a new body. It won't get hungry. It won't get tired. It won't get sick. There will be no more grieving, no more dying. Amen. And, and Jesus manifested that body, amen, for a span of a few weeks on this earth as he began to testify. And then he ascends as the resurrected lamb. He ascends back to the throne, amen, of God, to the everlasting mercy seat that is in the heavens. And he takes up his place as the perpetual intercessor for the people of God. He took his own blood and he sprinkled up on the everlasting mercy seat. And because he is God and he is all in all, not only did he give the blood of himself for a sacrifice, but he also stepped to the other side as the high priest and he received his own sacrifice and forgave our sins and our trespasses. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isn't that beautiful? Amen. And, and, and so when we say Jesus is raised or set to the right hand of God, we are talking about God's throne, not a different person of God. And Revelation shows the throne of God and the Lamb shedding forth the river of life. 
Let's see what the, whole, what the word of God would say to affirm that. In John chapter 7, in verses 37 through 39, let's find out what that is. In the last days, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow what? Rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they uh, that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. But now he is glorified, and that river of life is the Holy Ghost. The same words are spoken in Revelations 22 and, and 17. And the spirit uh, and the bride say come and let him that heareth say come and let him that is a thirst come and whosoever will let him take of the water of life freely. The power that came from the ark of the covenant and the resurrected rod of Aaron was the power of God's Spirit. Now, last week or the week before, the weeks before, we, we talked about the rod of Levi, as it were, represented the dedicated child of God who sanctifies themselves and walks in holiness. And so they disconnect themselves with the world system or world culture and they connect themselves amen to Christ and that he or she would then begin to bring forth fruit and they would blossom in their walk with God again numbers 17 and 8 says and it came to pass on the morrow that Moses went into the tabernacle of witness and behold the rod of Aaron for the house of Levi was budded and brought forth buds and blossoms and bloomed and yielded almonds. Now, watch Revelations chapter 1 and verses 10 through 13. John says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What thou seest, write in a book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, unto Smyrna, unto Pergamos, unto Thyatira, unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, unto Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden, everybody say seven, seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed uh, with a garment, down to the foot, gird about the paps with a golden girdle. Now, I want you to notice something about the seven golden candlesticks. This is why you should never be afraid to read the book of Revelation. So I know the book of Revelations freaks people out, but they don't have the, 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 the book of Revelations is not about the end time. Amen. I, the book of Revelations is not about uh, trying to compare it with CNN or the New York Times headlines. The book of Revelation is a revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, I, I know I'm moving quickly. I'm doing my best to try to wrap this up because this, so this, we, we got uh, uh, the Christmas banquet next week and, and then we got festivities, amen, pretty much for the rest of the year at that point. So I want to kind of wrap this up. 
because I don't think by the third week of January, because we got prayer revival starting on January 1, I don't, I don't know that we're going to be able to hold on and kind of remember it, so I'm, I'm, I'm trying to move most Ricky Tick through this thing. Exodus 25 and 31 through 33, and thou shalt make a candlestick, everybody say a candlestick, of pure gold beaten work shall be the candles, shall the candlestick be made, his shaft and his branches, his shaft and his branches, his branches, his bowls, his knobs, his flowers shall be of the same. And six branches shall come out of the sides of it. Three branches of the candlestick out of the one side. And three branches out of the candlestick of the other side. Three bowls made like unto almonds with a knob of flour uh, in one branch and three bowls made like of almonds in the other branch with a knob of flour. So in the six branches that come out of the candlestick. Amen. Boy, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Number 17 and 8 says, and it came to pass that on the morrow, uh, Moses went into the tabernacle of wilderness and beheld the rod of Aaron for the house of Levi was budded and brought forth buds and bloom blossoms and yielded almonds. Do you see that in the, the candlestick that of the tabernacle and now the candlestick of the book of Revelations, the Bible says that there were six branches coming out of the stem. Amen. Hallelujah. There were six branches that came out, but in the middle was the seven. Six represents the number of man. Seven represents the number of God. It was made of pure gold. Man cannot be pure except God be in the center of it. And the six branches gave forth the light that was lit from the center or the seventh. Hallelujah. I'm glad that God designed in the very beginning that we as men and women as flesh could come into his divine nature and communion through the power of the Holy Ghost. Somebody shout amen. Amen. Somebody say, whoa, Nelly. I'm trying, I'm, 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 I'm trying, amen. The, the, the candlestick showed the branches exactly as the rod of Levi miraculously manifested. Buds, blossoms, and the fruit all the same. It was a representation that, that, that this golden candlestick Amen. This golden candlestick was a representation of, of, of Aaron's budding rod that represented Levi, that holy priesthood. It represented that. Amen. You, you may think, well, you know, that's just, probably, I don't know, that's just kind of a big coincidence. Is it really a coincidence that God had designed it thousands of years early and then in the beginning of the New Testament, John the Revelator writes it down. Amen. The seven churches of Asia. Amen. And he begins to show the parallel amen and, and the buds and the blossoms and the fruit a branch that resurrected is associated with the seven branched candlesticks in revelations chapter one it was the same tree an almond tree Jesus called himself a seed that would multiply if it would but fall into the ground 
and die. Jesus is in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks of the book of Revelations chapter number one. Why? Because he was the seed that went into the ground and died. But if you know anything about a seed, if you bury it and give it enough heat and enough light, that seed's gonna come back up out of that ground. Jesus was planted in the earth three days and he came back up victorious over death, hell, and the grave and became the center of the church. Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. The center of the candlestick, the Bible said, was the vine of the candlestick and six branches came off the vine. Hallelujah. Look at somebody and tell them I'm a part of that. Come on, tell them I'm a part of that. Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 20. Y'all getting anything out of this? Lest you think this all happened to fall together, some great conspiracy of the ages. God, only God could do this. Revelations 1 and 20, the mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks and the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches, the stars represented the angels, the angels which were called uh, uh, the pastors rather that were leading the churches were called the angels and the candlesticks were that that was represented of the churches, amen, stars represent light so churches are shown to be almond branches with buds, flowers and almonds just like the rod of Aaron. Aaron was proved to be the high priest. Amen. Aaron was proved to be the high priest because of that miracle. And it could only be a miracle that could cause a, a, a separated rod to begin to blossom and bloom and bear fruit. Jesus is our great high priest. So if the branches that are the churches have the same buds, flowers, and almonds that Aaron's rod has, and Aaron's rod represents Jesus, we see that the church is then supposed to be like Jesus. If Aaron's rod is the foreshadowing of Jesus, then Jesus is the foreshadowing representation of the church. Revelation says the tree of life was on both sides of the river. The same picture is seen in Ezekiel. But there are many trees in Ezekiel. For Ezekiel 47 and 12 says, And by the river upon the bank thereof, on this side and on that side, shall grow all trees for meat. Who's, and that would really be cool if that meant literal meat. I would love to have a bacon tree or, or, or a filet mignon tree. Or some, uh, you know, some kind of a, a barbie, chicken on the barbie tree or some grilled shrimp tree. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be wonderful? But tree, uh, meat just means the, the, the fruit, the, the edible fruit. Amen. Whose leaf shall not fade, neither shall the fruit thereof be consumed. It shall bring forth new fruit 
according to his months because their waters they they issued out of the sanctuary and the fruit thereof shall be meat for meat and the leaf thereof for medicine revelations now listen to this revelation says the tree of life was on both sides since it is speaking of a kind of tree many people Many people, that's the representation. People are trees. Even a blind man could see people were trees. It is Jesus multiplied into many Christians and living by the Holy Ghost as, as the book of Psalms says, we are trees planted by the waters. Psalms chapter 1 and verses 1 through 3 says, Blessed is the man that walketh where? Not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. Remember the leaf is medicine. The leaf is for healing. Amen. You need to be able to heal people in your life. You need to be able to help people in your life. If you're not helping anybody, your leaf has withered. If your leaf has withered, you're not by the river. If you're not by the river, you're not filled with the Holy Ghost and the the only way you can have leaves and fruit is to stay filled with the Holy Ghost because you are the branches and he is the vine. Oh, take a moment and just give the Lord thanks tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Proverbs 11 and 30, one of the most misunderstood, mis, uh, misinterpreted, misapplied scripture. We always focus on the last, but I want to read to you the first. Because it says, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. Amen. If you're living holy, then there is a tree of life. Amen. Life for you and life for any that would eat thereof. I want the world to find life in Jesus Christ through the fruit that I can produce in the Spirit. Can you say amen? amen. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life and he that winneth souls is wise now you are very familiar with the fact at least most of you are that we do not have in our jargon of evangelism soul winning because that's not what that means Jesus did not call us to win souls he called us to make disciples winning souls is making relationships and friends you are not going to be able to disciple anyone you cannot feed. And you cannot feed anyone if your branches are barren. 
Y'all, I don't want to get on that one. Y'all with me so far? You can't win a friend to make a disciple if your fruit is rotten and your leaves are withered. And if your fruit is rotten and your trees and, and your, your leaves for healing are withered, it may be because you're not close enough to the river, which is the flowing spirit of the Holy Ghost. Luke 13 and 6 through 9 says, And he spake also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Then he said to the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Well, he should have come to my house. Amen. My fig tree was bowed to the ground. We have people walking, all them joggers running off the path, coming and picking fig tree, figs off of the fig tree. And I didn't mind until it started getting thin. And I was trying to find a contraption. It wouldn't hurt them, but scare them. Amen. I wanted them figs. What I'm trying to say is if you'll produce fruit, people will get off the path to come find you. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. And, and he says, I find none and cut it down. Uh, cut it down why cumbereth it to the ground and he answered saying unto him Lord let it alone this year also till I shall dig about it and dung it amen that I may dig about it and dung it I'm not making it up it's in your Bible that I may dig about it and dung it in other words I've got to put some stuff I got to dig around I got to break up the hardened soil around the base of this tree because around the base of this tree is getting too stony it's getting too rocky amen it's getting too hard the water ain't able to get down through the soil and ain't able to get down to the root system i need i need to master don't tear it down i gotta i gotta break it up a little bit and i know it's not pleasant and i know it's not going to attract anyone and and i know it i I know it's going to make you uncomfortable and make your eyes water and your nostrils burn a little while but i need to go down I need to go down to the dung heap and I need to dig up some y'all know what dung I don't have to explain that go down to the dung heap and I gotta load up the wheelbarrow full of dung and right where I've broken it up I've gotta I've gotta put some dung in that situation amen amen some of you are saying why is my life so dungy right now why does everything stink I tell you why because you ain't got no fruit and God is merciful enough rather than to cut you down he's trying to chop up the fallow ground around he may put you in a stinky situation he may put you in a stinky relationship he may put you on a stinking job until he finally gets some fruit out of your life oh hallelujah amen quit quit blaming the devil for all the dung in your life Quit blaming the devil for all the mess in your life. Quit blaming the devil for all the stink in your life. Sometimes God's just good enough to stink it up a little bit that he might get some fruit out of your life. Don't you curse the mess. Lift your hands and say thank you for being merciful enough to me to try to get fruit on the branches. Verse 9 says, and if it bear fruit well, and if not, 
then after that thou shalt cut it down. In other words, if after I've dug around the base and I've messed it all up, if it still don't bear fruit, then you cut this thing down. Listen to me, the Bible has interesting things to say about trees with no fruit. Ask Jesus how he felt about fruitless trees. I don't want to be a fruitless tree serving God. I know, I know we live in the sloppy agape Joel Osteen movement where God's just happy with any little thing we do. But I'm going to tell you something. God is the keeper and the dresser of the vineyard. Amen. And he expects to see fruit in our life. Trees without fruit are cut down. Deuteronomy chapter 20 and verses 19 through 20 says, when thou, besiege, when thou shalt besiege a city a long time in making war against it to take it, thou shalt not destroy the trees thereof by forcing an axe against them, for thou mayest eat of them, and thou shalt not cut them down. For the tree is of the field, uh, the tree of the field is man's life to employ them in the siege. Only trees which thou knowest that they be not trees for meat, thou shalt destroy and cut them down, and thou shalt build bulwarks against the city that maketh war with thee until it be subdued. In other words, what God commanded Israel to do in teaching them how to be a mighty army. He said, when you besiege a city, do not cut down fruit producing trees because someday you're going to need to eat from them. But when you see a tree that does not bear fruit, he said, you cut it down and build bulwarks and you siege that city. In other words, if the tree is bearing fruit, it's going to be sustenance to you. But if the tree is not bearing fruit, you cut it down and it will be the demise of the city for which did not hold it accountable for growing fruit. Revelations chapter 21 and verse 23 says, And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. Jesus, Jesus is the light. I'm so glad to know that Jesus is the light of the world. Amen. And after, after showing us that we can change into his image by beholding his face in 2 Corinthians uh, uh, chapter 3, and after 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse says, says, light of knowledge in the face of Jesus shines in our hearts. It is no coincidence that many trees of life stand in the eternal city of God that is 1,500 miles high and 1,500 miles square. You want to know why there's so many trees because there is a flowing of a river that comes from the throne of God and there is a perpetual light that flows from the glory of Jesus Christ in other words if the Holy Ghost is flowing in our life and Jesus is shining in us and through us it should be a natural byproduct that fruit is going to show up on the branches 2nd Corinthians chapter 3 Amen. And verse number 18 says, But we all with open face beholding as in a glass 
the glory of the Lord. We are changing into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 6 says, For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of knowledge of, of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Amen. We need to be just like Jesus. We need his glory to radiate in our lives. Can you say amen? Praise God. Amen. Uh, John chapter 12 and verses 20 through 26. And I'm going to uh, try to move quickly here and try to wrap this up. And there were certain Greeks among them that came uh, up to worship at the feast. The same came therefore to Philip, which was of Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. Philip cometh and telleth Andrew, and again Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life uh, in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me, and where I am there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. In other words, uh, you must die as well. I must die as well. Uh, you want me, you want to see me, Jesus asked. Uh, amen. You want to see me? Here's what he was saying. Well, then the corn of wheat has got to fall into the ground and die. See, a light that shines and changes, amen, you into an image uh, that is into his image. The glory of God, uh, amen, that shines into our light and forms us into the image of God. A seed doesn't say a seed if you put it in the ground. If you leave that seed in a box, if you leave it on the sidewalk, if you leave it on the counter, it will perpetuate be a seed but the moment that seed falls into the ground and dies the moment it falls into the ground and it's covered the moment it is placed into a temporary source of darkness and discomfort the moment it goes into the ground it truly begins to live the only way the seed a seed can die is after it is alone it dies and it grows then to become a tree that will produce much fruit. I want to be a tree that produces much fruit. Amen. He spoke of changing us into his image. You can look at a tree and scientifically you can estimate about how much fruit a tree will produce. But it is impossible to look at a seed and determine how much it will produce. Amen. Amen. John chapter 12 and verses 31 through 33. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. This he said signifying what death 
he should die. Then he spoke. He, he then spoke of drawing people to him. Amen. Drawing people unto himself after his death and his resurrection. It, it, it's a tree with branches that is drawing people in. Many people. Not a few people, but many people. Not just the locational people. Not just the geographical people. Not just a certain ethnic people, but all people. Many people. Trees on both sides of the river. Trees on both sides of the river. Trees on both sides of the track. Trees in every economical category. Trees in every nationality. Trees in every culture. Every tongue and every tribe. I'm so glad that the gospel of Jesus Christ is for whosoever will, let him come. One branch that resurrected became a tree. Jesus was like a seed before his death. That seed was buried and resurrected. Paul said resurrection is like a seed planted and rising again into a different form of body. And this is what we see in Revelation 1 when we see Jesus in the midst of the golden candlestick shaped, amen, like almond branches. We see a somewhat perfect picture that fits Jesus' own description of himself as a a seed planted to rise again and not to be alone but resurrected into everlasting life the holiest of holies into which Aaron's rod was placed and budded again it was cubed it was cubed it was the same width length depth and height The eternal city of New Jerusalem is cubed. The perfect width, the perfect depth, the perfect height. The Holy of Holies was cubed. New Jerusalem is cubed. The tabernacle of the witness was cubed. The oracle was cubed. The city whose builder and maker is God is cubed. And as the rod resurrected in the holiest of holies, we now see many in the holy place. Just as that singular rod blossomed and branched out from the vine and saw many blossoms and fruit. Now you see the same thing happening with people. Jesus is the tree of life represented by a dead rod that resurrected in the most holy place. And the city is a huge most holy place being cubed, amen, like the most holy place that we read about in our text. It shows lives being changed by the Spirit of God into people just like Jesus. Jesus. Amen. It shows us that we cannot make ourselves change like this any more than a dead stick could make itself resurrect and exist in such a way that nature cannot imitate if it were natural. It shows the kingdom of God increasing by having many people, but not just many people, many people that are changed into his image. For the rod of Aaron that blossomed, it did not blossom different fruit. It blossomed the branches, a man of the vine that it was connected to. And if we therefore are connected to Jesus Christ, then only by his spirit can we begin to blossom the fruits of Jesus Christ into our life and into the world. <laughs> 
the city was huge. It's like a great holy of holies and the holy of holies had a veil blocking its entrance. That veil was top to bottom, side to side. Most scholars and most orthodox rabbis believe that that veil was somewhere around three feet thick. There was only one way to get in. There was no opening. You couldn't crawl under, couldn't go around the side. Couldn't. God had to supernaturally transport that priest through the veil into the Holy of Holies. And now in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse number 18 through 20, it says by, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us, which hope we have as an anchor for the soul hallelujah which hope we have as an anchor of the soul both sure and steadfast and which entereth into that veil within the veil whether the forerunner is for us entered even Jesus made in high priest forever and ever by the order of Melchizedek in other words he said that hope amen that we have is anchored it is anchored into the holy of holies that entereth into the veil. Amen. I'm so glad that Jesus Christ, when we could not enter in because of our sinfulness, when we could not go in because we had been alienated from the faith, Jesus Christ went in through the veil on the cross of Calvary. And the Bible said when he cried, it is finished, that the veil in the temple was ripped from top to bottom. Amen. That veil that had kept sin out and God's holiness in was ripped and Jesus said now through me you have an anchor into the mercy seat now through me you have a way into the place where the branches are connected to the vine it's a refuge we enter into the holiness to the holy of holies and to the refuge and since the the holiest of holies is a cube-shaped room like New Jerusalem. Amen. We also, we also realize that according to Hebrews chapter 6 that, that it is a refuge. We see another aspect to the city with refuge in mind. The Old Testament speaks of the cities of refuge. New Jerusalem was a city and a grand holy of holies. So we put this together and we get one huge city of refuge. A place of holiness hope for all nations a place of, of regenerating eternal life for all people that will come unto him Zechariah chapter 9 and verses 11 through 12 says as for thee also by the blood of thy covenant I have sent forth thy prisoners out of the pit wherein there is no water turn you to the stronghold ye prisoners of hope even to the day I declare that I will render unto that I will render double unto thee. The stronghold was the city of refuge. A person would be a prisoner in that city until the death of the high priest signified by the sprinkling of the blood on the ark of the covenant and this made the high priest's death the payment for sinners sin. I want you to know that your high priest is still, he's still at work for you right now. Amen. Your high priest 
still has blood that works for you. It doesn't matter what our sin is. Amen. The blood of Jesus Christ still works for us. Brother Lucas, if you'll come, I, I want you to see this. This is not a coincidence. God wove this from the very beginning to, to revelations to where we are now and into eternity future. So the prisoner has hope in the city of refuge. Just as in Hebrews 6 says, our refuge and our hope is in the most holy place. Where was the most holy place? The holy of holies. What was the holy of holies? It was the tabernacle of witness. What was the tabernacle of witness? It was the oracle. What was it likened unto? What was its size? It was perfectly square. It was the same width and depth and height. Amen. And the same breadth. It was cubed. Amen. Our hope is not in this world. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. It was a small room. It was a small room by building standard of that day. Oh, but Jesus has prepared a place for us in New Jerusalem on a much grander scale. If you would, the Holy of Holies. Brother Nate, when y'all build, what, what do you call them? Models, scale to model, model to scale. What do you call that? When you build the building on a little table or something like that. Scale model. You see, that's what the Holy of Holies was. It was a scale model. Just, just a little cube in comparison. It was, just a, it was just this little square model. And God designed, if you would, I wouldn't call it his rough draft because it was perfect in his design. But he made a, an oracle, a tabernacle of witness, square. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. And he got the glory of his light behind him. And what happens when you shine a light behind something? It projects it. And he projected that little tabernacle of witness, that cube, and he projected its dimensions through the covenant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He projected it through the wilderness tabernacle. Through his covenant with David, he projected it. And it went forth even until the time of Christ. And yet it was not completely fulfilled through the time of the apostles, until the time of the early martyrs of the church, through the time of the uh, 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 late early centuries of the church, through the time of the dark ages and the middle ages and through the renaissance and then into early Pentecost and that thing just began to keep projecting and going bigger and bigger and I don't know when Jesus is coming back and guess what you don't either but I know he's coming soon and that thing has been projecting through all of space and time, it's been projecting through eons, it's been projecting not just through the air not just through the atmosphere but it's projecting through you right now the light of God is projecting through you right now the light of his spirit the power of the Holy Ghost the waters of his spirit flowing through you and on that great and glorious day when the last trump of God shall sound and Jesus stretches that long lean Galilean leg over the back of a steamy white stallion and he presses a trumpet to his lips and he blasted so loud that the dead in Christ come up out of their grave and we that are alive and remain shall meet him and forever shall we be with him. 
says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter ye into the joys of the Lord. And then, then you are going to step in through the veil of time, through the curtain of mortality. You will move through that veil, that gate fashioned out of a single pearl straight streets made out of transparent gold a tree of life rivers of crystal clear water the river that's emanating out of the throne of God the light that is Jesus Christ for the sun never sets because Jesus is that light and in that city that is 1500 miles high and 1500 miles wide and 1500 miles square then brothers and sisters listen to me right now then we will step from this mortal into immortality and and we will leave this corruption and we will move into incorruption. We will step out of the realm of the temporal into the glories of the eternal. We will leave the foreshadowing square of witness and we will enter into the foursquare of God's eternal home. And that day, we will know that we are forever with him in that most holy city. And forever will the branches be connected to the everlasting vine. For the fruit of the ages shall be bare forth through our singing and our worship and our praise that shall never cease. Oh, why don't you lift your hands to the Lord right now. I feel his glorious presence in this place. Hallelujah. 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 Come on. Come on, branches. Connect to the vine. You just thought you were some little speck of dust on the eternal spilling, spinning wheel of time and eternity. But I'm telling you, you are not that. You are a branch that is connected to the vine. And it doesn't matter how cold you may feel in your soul. And it doesn't matter what the battle around you may be raging. And it doesn't matter what the voice of the adversary may be singing into your soul. Amen. You can tonight reconnect to that vine and let livers, rivers of living water begin to flow through the root system and begin to flow up into your parts to soul right now. Come on. I feel the Holy Ghost flowing in this place. Come on. You can just let him renew you and rivers of living water. Your leaf has been withered but there is a cool refreshing touch of the everlasting waters of God. Hallelujah. That's it. Get connected. Get connected to that vine, that brand, that vine for just a moment tonight in just a few moments time just connect to that vine and let the power of God's spirit begin to surge into you right now in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus 
in the name of Jesus. I wonder if there's anybody tonight that for just two or three minutes would step out of their chair and you would come to this altar. Let this altar symbolize the rivers of living water. Let this altar symbolize, amen, the vine tonight. And would you just come for just a, just a couple of moments and just connect to the source right now. Just connect to the source right now. I, I know speaking in tongues for two minutes don't cure everything, but I do know that it lets the life-giving source of water flow into your spirit. Come on, let that water wash clean. Let that water refresh you. it your life is a scale model of the eternal life come on come on let the light of God shine into you right now or you have a hope oh we are anchored to an everlasting hope Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, there, there's a refreshing in this place. I can just see it on some of you right now. The stress of the end of this year is dissipating off of you. One more time, stretch those hands to heaven and lift that voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just let that river of water flow through you. Come on, let that living water flow through you right now in tongues. feel like you've been to the river tonight hallelujah I'm thankful I'm so thankful for the word of God 
Isn't it beautiful how God just we just just wove all of this together? You can't one person, ten thousand persons couldn't make that up. That's how God just brought it all together. Amen. Look at somebody. I want you to tell them with faith. Tell them stay connected to the vine. Come on. I want you to turn to somebody. Maybe grab them by the hand. Find somebody. Take them by the hand. Say, whatever you do, stay connected to the vine. telling you, the Holy Ghost is in this place. You, you're in a stinky situation right now? Listen, don't get mad at God. Listen to me. The Bible says, whom God loveth, he chasteneth. But if you can endure, he that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. If you can endure just a, a little bit of funk, just a little bit of it, if you'll just be patient, there's about to be an explosion of blossoms. And after blossom comes fruit. Just stay connected to Jesus. Come on, turn to him again. Say, just stay connected to Jesus. I want you, I want to turn to somebody and say, help me stay connected to Jesus. One way to get, stay connected is be here at prayer Thursday night. That'll help you. And be at prayer tomorrow. Say, so we got prayer tomorrow. You got prayer every day. Stay connected. You are the branches. He is the vine. Hallelujah. Amen. Are you glad you came to church on midweek? Hallelujah. I know it's that you say, well, pastor, it didn't solve my problem. No, no, that's, that takes time, takes time, but you start letting the Holy Ghost water you. Pray in tongues every day. Say, pastor, what if I can't break through to pray in tongues? Find somebody with faith in the church and call them up and say, pray with me. Don't you call somebody don't ever come to the altar or shows up church twice a month. It's carnal as a three-legged dog. You connect with somebody that's full of the Holy Ghost and say, pray with me. I need to break through to the Holy Ghost. Because I promise you, if you haven't spoken tongues, and I don't mean those fleshly tongues that your, your, your mind has learned how to mimic the Holy Ghost. I mean that springing up of a well that you can hardly contain the flowing of your tongue. If you don't do that on a regular basis, you may have a form of godliness, but you're denying the power. You need to let that tongue flow through you as you're filled again with the Holy Ghost every day. Amen. Praise God. Oh, it feels good to be home. Amen. It feels so good to be home. Amen. You can have Alabama. I'm glad I'm home. Amen. I love all these churches and blessed go ministry. Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. 
We want to stay connected with you. And so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus name.